Welcome to episode two of NRL Corona Positives. It's the second week without rugby league, so we are two fans trying to make the best out of a bad situation. I'm Tony Salerno, sharing Corona, the beer, not the virus, with Mitch Ferugia as we find positives from the NRL which are threatened by the NRL coronavirus pandemic. G'day, Mitch. Hey, Tony, how are you? And it's been a, another challenging week, I guess you'd say. Um, obviously, a lot of things moving online now. And we're actually trying the podcast online as well, um, going at home at the moment, and we're recording this, so it should be interesting to see how it comes out. But yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, very well, thank you. Cheers. We also want to get the fans more interactive, those listening to the podcast. Tell us what positives you're making of this situation at NRL Corona Positives on Instagram, Facebook, and also Twitter. If you want to send us an email at nrlcoronapositives at gmail.com, the best ones will be read out on our podcast. So Mitch, week two, it's been all about the money this week at NRL HQ with the competition suspended. The league is working with the players to determine how much they will be paid with no games on. There's been pay cuts, haircuts, cover-ups, rescue packages, borrowing, you name it. It's been a very big week. Mitch, what did you make of it? Yeah, at the moment, I think both of the parties, both the Players Association and the players, are uh, also the NRL are just trying to come to a fair agreement. There was a bit of criticism from a couple of the players, particularly uh, Joey Lewis saying, I thought we were all in this together. Uh, when it was suggested that the players may take the 75% pay cut, but the uh, NRL workers wouldn't actually um, take the same pay cut. So obviously still a little bit of little bit up in the air at the moment and a little bit of information that's coming out later and in groups and drafts. So I guess we just have to wait and see what deal can be struck up. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're still working on a payment method. But Mitch, I wanted to play devil's advocate for you though. I mean, in terms of the NRL executives, uh, granted uh, NRL CEO uh, Todd Greenberg will be on quite a wicket. Would it be fair to say, though, that the players would, of course, get a big pay cut because they're not actually playing, but it can be argued that the board are actually working even harder than they usually would. Would that be fair? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's different ways to look at it. You can look at it from that perspective uh, where the players aren't actually playing the games as such, so they're not making that revenue, the broadcasting revenue, there's no actual end product. In in another sense, the players, I, don't, I think they're not just sitting around at home. I mean, they do have to keep up their fitness and their fitness level, so they'd be doing pretty much proper gym routines every day, looking to stay fit and ready for that switch if the game is called back on. So it does go both ways. Uh, I mean, I think it should be pretty much fair, but... There is also that point that you make that the NRL executives are probably working in overdrive at the moment. Yeah, that's right. But Mitch, every time you talk about sport and money, every NRL fan goes, you've got to watch Moneyball. It's a fantastic movie. So a lot more time on my hands, Mitch. I decided to put the DVD on, sit back, relax, and watch Moneyball. Have you seen it? Nah, I haven't seen that one either, mate, but... Jeez, you really must be cleaning out that movie cover to yours. Oh, well, that's right, Mitch. I can't get out of a house. So, of course, I'm going in and I'm watching every movie that I can. So, basically, what happens is Brad Pitt's the star. So, my mum loved it as well. Uh, Brad Pitt stars as the GM of a team with limited funds. So, they're on a shoestring budget. But they use stats to determine the best values for players. Because 
The big thing is that they came out of a World Series with the Boston Red Sox, the fabled team, and they fell just short of winning the World Series, but then three of their legends retired. So then they had to find all these different players, but they didn't have money to replace them. So they hired this graduate from Yale in economics to help them find out who would be the best replacement for these players based on their price. So not looking so much at players worth millions of dollars like their legends, but looking at players who were underused, but their stats really showed that their performance was really great. So more bargain and basement buys. So I guess why I watch this and what I found, Mitch, is if the NRL clubs, they won't completely wipe the books, but it's a really good opportunity with the salary cap, how it's going to change and the money not coming in the same way that it did from the NRL. It's a really good opportunity for the clubs, particularly the likes of the Gold Coast Titans and those sorts of teams, to really just take stock and then start using that method rather than trying to get a proven big name like they did with Jared Hayne and all those sorts of people. So I really think clubs should be using this not as a bad period in the game, which it obviously is. You can't really sugarcoat it. But they should really be using this as an opportunity to press the reset button and start again on their recruitment. Yeah, I mean, that's right. that is a good point because the sides can really take this as a refresher and I'm sure... A lot of the coaching staff, although some have been stood down by the clubs at the moment due to financial issues, I'm sure that their brains have been ticking over and looking at potentially the first two rounds of the season, but also last year and players that made big impacts and who's coming off contract soon and maybe trying to look at luring a few players. I've already seen one movement that was leaked. I mean, the Knights weren't too happy about this, but Frizzell will be moving there, Tyson Frizzell from the Dragons will be actually moving up to the Knights uh, after all this, his contract will be registered. So, I mean, there's one move that's already been made and I think it's a great move uh, for Newcastle. So maybe we'll see other clubs looking to try and fill gaps in their team which really need filling. Yeah, that's right. Very brave move from Tyson. He might be paid in uh, Monopoly money for the first year of his contract. We'll see how that one goes. We look at the bright side of another dark week in the NRL competition. Of course, games have been stopped because of the coronavirus pandemic. So now it's up to us to have a look at the positives from this week. I'll open up. I'll go first. I think it's been a really big positive that the NRL are just opening up the book straight away saying, this is how much money we've got. This is how long it's going to last. And this is the way we want to divvy it up. So they put that right in front of the broadcasters. They've put it right in front of the players. And they've said, this is our money. It doesn't look pretty. And we're not sugarcoating it. So... I think we're turning into uh, the Peter Valandi's Appreciation Podcast at the moment, Mitch. I feel like everything I do on this podcast, I'm praising him because I think he's done a really good job in terms of being or trying to be as transparent as he can. In previous years, the NRL would have been muffling and sort of trying to cover up where different money was. So Peter Valandis has been open and honest, met with the players, met with the Rugby League Players Association, the RLPA, and just trying to really strike a deal. Because, Mitch, we can't afford to to drag this out too long. There's too much uncertainty for the players. They need to, of course, they're humans too. They need to know where their next source of income is going to come from. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, that's the main point there, that the players will want to be sorting this out just as quickly as the NRL are. And by Peter Bland is coming out and just saying, this is how it is, this is what we're going to work with, I think that would be easier with the negotiations with the Players Association because then they know that the NRL aren't taking them or trying to do something behind their back. They are just being upfront and honest. Um, That is the situation. So 
I think that might give them a little bit more bargaining with the players potentially that they've been so open. Uh, the players might be willing to take a little bit of a sacrifice. Obviously, they will have to take a sacrifice, um, and NRL administrators will be taking sacrifices too. Um, so I think yeah, we just have to with this one just have to wait and see. I, I mean, we've seen that about a lot of things, but you can't really rush something like this. But also, they do want to get it done quickly. So that's that's what they've got to the decision they have to come to, but I mean, the honesty by the NRL at this stage has been fantastic. And just before we do move on, I think giving the uh, Rugby League Players Association, the NRL giving the Players Association a seat at the table, so to speak, when they meet with the broadcasters, of course the broadcasters is where a lot of the money comes from, so the players being involved in that process shows them that there's that level of trust and then that they're not always going to get listened to at those big formal meetings, but just the RLPA being present and giving their views gives them a stronger share and a bit more stronger voice at the bargaining table. So I think that's a really good initiative from the NRL. Mitch, how about yourself? Or what's the first positive you've found from this week? Yes, I think the first one that I found, um, the way that the rugby league community are creating content and creating matches without actually matches and games being played, Tony. Uh, So this one's pretty interesting. I mean, across the board, we saw some of the NRL clubs, uh, the Tigers and the Bulldogs, they were meant to face up in round three. Uh, They had two of their players play in a fortnight competition, uh, which the Bulldogs won, which is pretty interesting turning. Yeah, that's right. Of course, format being that uh, PlayStation game, that multi-console PlayStation game. A lot of players are really big fans of it. There's a few junkies on there who love it. Some of the players really adopt it. Mitch, do you know any of the players who are really good at it or, or just spend all that time on it? No, not too sure. I mean, we don't really see a lot of it, but I'm sure this off-season um, more and more players will be jumping on and uh, having a game and we'll see it uh, broadcast. There was actually broadcast on Facebook, um, so fans could actually watch the players and how they went in the game. But, yeah, there was a win for the Bulldogs there. Uh, also, rugby league paid roasted rugby league uh, which is a very good rugby league page we're simulating the matches on uh, the playstation game rugby league live 4 um, and they were same thing putting them up on facebook for fans to watch uh, and see who would win they weren't playing they just put it into a simulation uh, left the computer to do uh, the business and yeah there's some interesting results that came out but also um, some ones you might have expected, but I think a lot of fans just loved having a bit of footy on, even though it's not the footy. <laughs> Esports is just going to start booming, if it hasn't already, in terms of people not being able to go out and play. Of course, these professional players, the Bulldogs and the Tigers, maybe that's where their next source of income come from, Mitch. I mean, I was watching the Fortnite World Championships, I think it was about six months ago. Booger, I think his name is, the American guy who actually won the competition, he walked away with, I think it was $3 million or something. A lot of these players can solve all their problems. They don't necessarily have to go back to the rugby league field. they just got to really get good at Fortnite and then eventually uh, play these games, and that's where the money will come from, Mitch. Maybe they've got to all figure it out now. They're just going to start training, but not in the gym. Yeah, just leave the weights aside, even though you took some of them home from your club, and just really push hard on Fortnite. Of course, the NBA and other competitions have gone a similar approach in terms of electronic gaming to uh, entice fans while the competitions aren't going on. The NBA is hosting a 2K competition and they've got, I think it's 16 players that they're going to bracket and then eventually they're going to come up with a champion for that. It'd be interesting to see what prizes are up for stake. How good's retro footy? Of course, sometimes we used to take it for granted 
in terms of you watching on TV. Oh, yeah, it's the 89 grand final again. I know it's the greatest grand final ever. Maybe not for yourself, Mitch, when Canberra beat the Tigers in that grand final, the extra time grand final. Steve Jackson going over and just slamming the ball down. But I feel like it's really showcased what a great and just what a big catalogue of close, entertaining games we have. They don't necessarily have to be grand finals, but they can just be regular season games that went down to the wire. Of course, being a Parramatta Reels fan, Parramatta won a lot more of those games than they, they do in the current climate, so that's always good watching. But it's just great to see Retro Rugby League. Of course, people in the 80s and 90s, they love it, but it really gives fans, newer fans, those who are like 10 or 11 or something like that, a greater appreciation for the game now that that's the main source of what they're watching. So I think that's really a big positive that's come out of it. Well, I also saw a few of the games were being called as if they were live, uh, which is really cool as well. Fox Sports doing some of that as well. So we'll just have to look and see. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be a few other weird and wacky things that come out of it that bring that community together. Yeah, that's right. My next positive was actually uh, the New South Wales Rugby League boss. The New South Wales Rugby League CEO, David Trotten, is very optimistic junior rugby league is going to come back. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, Tony, this is an NRL podcast. I don't care what's happening in the junior rugby league. I think you need to because I guess at the end of the day, Mitch, the junior rugby league, Harold Matthews, SG Ball, they're all pathways to the NRL. And it's going to get a lot more complex if we don't play these competitions because, of course, people who are under 16 now won't be under 16 next year. So what happens in terms of the competitions, who plays where, who wins it, all that sort of stuff is up in the air at the moment. But the fact that Junior Rugby League can still go ahead or the New South Wales Rugby League are still keen to get it involved, I think that's very important. David Trotten, who I spoke to on the weekend, was very big on this healing function, Mitch. So, of course, sport in general, not just rugby league, has that ability to bring people together, make them happy, get them out of their homes, bring physical activity. So, Mitch, there's so many positives here that the NRL and Rugby League in general provide. So even though you'll get those mothers and you'll get the government and you'll get all those organisations saying, you'll be mad to bring back Rugby League, we don't need contact sport, it's infectious, it can provide germs, all those sorts of things. I think it is the lesser of two evil if it does come back, Mitch, because, of course, children are more transmitters than they are uh, the ones who are in severe danger of getting the coronavirus and ultimately dying from it. So I don't know that it's the worst thing in the world if the competition comes back. But Mitch, we know because it is, it's not professional, obviously, it really will come down to if the parents are willing to bring the kids back. So I think that's the hardest thing as well. Even if the competition does come back, I don't know if young Freddie's mum or young Jason's dad's really going to want them to come back and play contact rugby league this year. Yeah, that's the thing involved. It's up to the parents, obviously, with younger children. But I think that it won't happen for probably at least a month. Yeah, they have to obviously take a little bit of time and actually wait it out a little bit because everything is pretty much on lockdown. But say we get down the track and parks are reopened, you can go back to public spaces and there's no one point, uh, 1.5 metre rule. I think then maybe the NRL, uh, the New South Wales Rugby League, boss Dave Trotten will have a good look at it and potentially look to reopen it rather than just wiping off a clean slate which would be great because uh, it would bring the community back together and the more involvement we can have this year in what's obviously going to be a really challenging year um, the more connection and involvement the better for the game and for um, the community in general. 
And I know we don't focus on the negatives here. We, we focus on not bringing negative news here, but we have to say it. The Canterbury Cup, the reserve grade competition, and also the Intrust Super Premiership, the uh, reserve grade competition for the Queensland Rugby League, those are both being cancelled, which is uh, disappointing. But of course, a lot of their future depends on how the NRL clubs finish here as well. Because of course, the likes of your Newtown Jets or your Winner Manly Seagulls, they're feeder clubs to NRL clubs. So if the NRL clubs run out of money and fold, we don't quite know what's going to happen to these second-tier competitions, Mitch. It could be pretty dire straits. Yeah, it could be. I mean, we're not really sure about the position that some of the feeder clubs are in. I'm sure a club like the Bears, if, if an NRL club was to fold, I think that they do have pretty good finances. I'm not 100% sure on that one. But maybe some of them look to try and push up and try and get a spot back in the NRL or in the NRL. And other clubs, I think if um, they're... Feeder club, if their main NRL club that they feeder into folded, well, potentially that means they have to fold too because they may be really reliant on that NRL club. So it works a bit of both ways. And I mean, it's going to be really interesting what does happen down the track and with finances, that side of the game. We haven't really seen that there hasn't been much talk since the Titans have come in. There haven't been a lot of talk of teams really leaving due to being financially stricken. Um, only little patches here and there, but this is a really critical where we could lose four four teams maybe. You never know. So I think, yeah, whatever they do, getting the game back on is obviously a big priority. Yeah, most certainly. And, of course, a man who's doing great things on a podcast of his own, Mitch. He's your final positive for this week. Yeah, Dan and Kemp, former NRL player for the Broncos, uh, also is at the Warriors. He has his uh, product after footy. Loke in a bar beer, he also has the bar, and uh, as you mentioned, does the podcast, and he announced throughout the week that all Loke in a bar beer sales over the next two weeks will be donated to the Rugby League Players Association. How good is that? Yeah, it's a really great idea. Of course, alcohol shops and bottleos, they are an essential service now, Mitch, so they can potentially, sales could skyrocket, which would be great for Denim Kemp, and of course... We don't have the footy, but we do like our beer. So uh, if you do have a chance to go down to your local pub and bloke in a beer bar, bloke in a beer, beer is in there, then you can go in and you can... I'll get it right off the tongue the last time, Mitch. Bloke in a bar, beer is on the shelf. Do go ahead and pick some up. But Mitch, I know you do want to get it out there, your 15 minutes of fame with the man himself. Tell us what happened at North Mean Cellars. Yeah, me and a mate uh, went down and we got to meet him. Uh, Clint Dunkerson was also there. I mean, uh, pretty good just to have a bit of a chat to. Obviously, really genuine um, guy and made time for everyone who went down. But yeah, I think this is a great move from him. Obviously, it's not a huge business, but for him to be able to sacrifice two weeks uh, worth of sales to go towards the NRL and the Players Association, uh, it's a really strong move. Yeah, most certainly. Mitch, I know you've got my number. Um, my phone didn't ring at that time, but that's okay. Maybe next time. <laughs> okay, so now that we've done the positives, how about we celebrate the greatest game of all? It may not be what it will be in the future, so let's celebrate some of the past moments. This week, we've picked our stadium memories, some really early memories for us in the stadiums that we have went to. So, Mitch, I have, I'll start. So, I've got the Olympic Stadium, the ANZ Stadium, as it's formerly known now. A lot of people think, oh, you know, ghost town. Not a lot of people go in there. It's very empty when there's not big crowds playing. 
But ANZ Stadium was one of my earliest memories. I went back to see the Canterbury Bulldogs and the Canberra Raiders back in 2001. My dad's a Bulldogs tragic. Of course, I'm not a Bulldogs tragic, but <laughs> you know, Mitch, you get in the car, you go to the footy and you turn up and you see what's on. So uh, back in 2001, we saw the Bulldogs versus the Raiders. Very good game. 28-18, the Bulldogs won. It was actually, it was just drizzling that day. So we're in the main part of the stand. So we're in the middle uh, grandstand section. But because it was raining, we had to jump up towards the back. And one of my earliest memories is seeing this young player, 19 years old, burst on the scene, scored a try in that game as well, went on to win Rookie of the Year in 2001, which is when this game was. But it was funny. The announcer said, you might have heard of this fellow, Mitch. The announcer said, try scored by number 17, Braith and Asta. So he went on to do really good things, of course, part of uh, Fox Sports now, but also just he really had an electric year. 13 tries in his rookie year at 5'8". Amazing. Yeah, he's obviously a great player of the game, Brayton Astor, and um, that was pretty much his breakout year when you were that young, and obviously he was coming up through the ranks. Yeah, most certainly. Now, Mitch... You've got a favourite one. I know this one. A lot of people resonate with this one as well. Tell us what stadium you've picked for your memory. Yeah, so I picked Lifeguard Oval. You can't really beat it. I mean, it's that suburban ground, still got the hill, the grandstand on the on the on the side as well. It's just a great ground. The obviously the hill bar as well, very popular amongst the fans. Uh, but I think yeah, when you're watching the footy there, you just sit on the hill. And you just take it all in, the atmosphere uh, is really there. And I mean, a lot of the games that we commentate and call as well uh, are at Leichhardt Oval often, uh, which is really cool to get up and get access. I think you can get really good access and also uh, behind the scenes with all the players. It's such a great ground. Uh, one of my memories from it is last year, 2019, uh, round one, Tigers and Manly. And uh, I really wanted to go. I was trying to convince my mate, who's a Roosters fan, we'll go, it's only meant to rain, it's only 40% chance, we'll be right. And it had held off most of the day, so I thought, all right, we'll go. So we get into the ground, get our tickets, get through, and as soon as we sit down on the hill, it starts barking down with rain. <laughs> so we have to run, run and get some ponchos, and then we're sitting on the hill, he's, he's fuming with me because it's raining. Uh, but I didn't really care. I mean, we got to watch the game. Uh, it's a pretty good game as well, even even though it's round one. It's just a great ground, I think, and it's really electrifying when you're there. Yeah, a Roosters fan, eh, Mitch? He doesn't even go to his own games. So really big effort to get him to go to Leichhardt Oval, but good on him. All right, Mitch, well, that's just about all we've got time for on this week's podcast. Thank you very much again. I've really appreciated it. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Week two is now in the books. Yeah, so make sure you follow us on our social channels, which are NRL Corona Positives on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast down below, and don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks very much, Tony Slono. I'm Mitchell Frugia. Stay safe and keep looking for the positives. We'll see you next week.